Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Hello and welcome back to our Q&A for 2022. Welcome back, Mum. Thank you, Laura. Welcome back, everybody. Now, we have got a lot of questions to sort through and I'm going to let you know what the topics are. So if it's relevant to you, you can keep listening. Good idea. So we're going to be talking about some of the questions are based on property. Mm. So property settlement and also in court property and affidavits. So I'm going to read you the first question, Mother. I'll bring it up here. I feel like I'm on mastermind. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Laura. I was hoping your mum could help me. Hi, mum. Hope me with another question. So our house is under offer and will, will the money be split and put into nominated bank accounts on settlement day? I have had a financial agreement drawn up by my lawyer and my ex has taken it to his lawyer. We both agree on it. What happens next? Any advice? Greatly appreciated. Hmm. So I guess that's two questions. Does the money get split and put into two different bank accounts? And what happens after you sign Hmm. your financial? Okay, so a typical lawyer fashion, I've got to say this is general advice, honey, because I don't know your particular circumstances, but most married couples or couples hold the property as joint tenants. Hmm. That means that you each of you own all of the money together. There's not a natural split. Um, If you're still in the process of signing up the financial agreement Mm -hmm. and it isn't yet signed, I would be saying to the real real estate, getting a joint letter from you and your husband, um, to, to the real estate agent asking them to put the money in a trust account as whole, um, to save it for when you reach your agreement and it's signed. Now, if you want money out earlier, what you might do is, is jointly sign a letter to your real estate saying, please put X amount of dollars in one of your solicitor's trust accounts, maybe not the conveyancing solicitors. Um, don't worry, the solicitors can't use the money. Mm. Um, and if they do, there's an indemnity fund anyway. So get it into one of the lawyer's trust accounts. And you might even agree that each of you can take you know, $20,000 or $50,000 to start to, just to keep you going until the orders are signed. Okay. Um, otherwise, I suppose you could um, get it put into your respective accounts, but if it's anything other than 50-50, mm. I don't think the real estate agent will do that. So they won't – so in a settlement, if you're selling your marital home mm. – they're not going to really agree to put half the money in one bank account and half in the other. Oh, they might agree at half-half. Where the trouble arises, if it's 70% to you and 30% to your other partner, um, at law, they've really required, they've sold the property for both of you, they're acting for both of you, Mm. they should give the money to both of you. So they might, perhaps, if you've still got a joint account, they might put it in a joint account for you and you and your partner can divide it. Mm. But if you're getting more than 50%, I wouldn't be leaving it and hoping that the financial statement gets the financial signed. agreement gets signed in time. Mm. Um, particularly given a little bit of other information you gave us mm. about him, um, I think that if I were you, I would be getting. If you've got a lawyer, uh, get your lawyer to write to his lawyer, or both of you just prepare a document that says this is what we want you to do with the proceeds of sale. First of all, of course, the real estate agent's got to take their commission out, yeah, and the balance of that we want it either all in X trust account Mm -hmm. on behalf of both of us or you want it um, 
you know, X amount of dollars to you, X amount of dollars to him, and the balance put in the trust yeah, account. Yeah, but it has to be jointly signed. By it does need to be jointly signed and yep. given as an authority okay. um, because the, the real estate agent isn't acting for just one of you. Cool. All right. Um, so just check that that money is going so we'll it'll go to the real estate agent and then ask them to keep it in their trust or get it put in the mm. lawyer's trust or write a letter saying split it this actually, way. Actually it's not the real estate agent, it's the lawyer who's doing a conveyancing actually. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um, the real estate agent has um, usually the deposit. So you yeah. do that with the deposit. True. Sorry. Um okay. So the other question was about financial agreements. Once you've both signed them, what happens next? And we're actually going to do a whole episode on that because mm. a lot of people have that. So basically, mum, really quickly, a financial agreement, once everyone's signed it, you just you keep one person keeps one copy or the original and the other pe- person keeps a copy mm-hmm. and you just hang on to it. And you create a little timeline of what, what you've got to have done by a certain That's dates. Right. If it requires you to do things. So if you're separating and you've got a financial agreement, mm. then you would have perhaps tasks you've got to do within 21 days this person Mm. pays this person money within you know um or you've got to give them their furniture and whatever so just follow it through yeah um if it's a prenup that you've done before you've got into a new relationship then you just hide put that somewhere don't hide it it's like you will get away somewhere safe all right well i hope that helped answer your question thank you so much for writing in oh i forgot um sorry with with the um financial agreement it will operate to protect you from stamp duty in your state if there's going to be a house transferred to one or other of you as mm. a result. Um, the document, the, a good uh, properly signed financial agreement, you can give that to uh, the stamps office and you don't have to pay any stamp duty. Well, that's and that's good. Section 90 of the Family Law Act. Uh, you also don't have to pay any duty for transferring cars into that's other true. names, which that's is true. good because that can be really expensive. It can be a couple of hundred so dollars. if yeah. you are transferring your car's names into somebody else's yeah. name for, because of a split, you can just show them your order or your or agreement. Or your agreement, yeah. yes. Okay, so next question. Um this is from another lovely lady. She says, good afternoon, loving your podcast. I'm currently oh, nice. going through the court system for property and parenting. I have applied for an interim and final orders and she's self-representing. Yes. Girl, girl. Go, girl. <laughs> I have submitted my affidavit and documents, including a DBO. I'm sorry. Um, and my question is, can I submit another affidavit in response to his following my initial affidavit? And so she said in his documents, he lies. There's incorrect red book valuations, which she has evidence that she can show. Also, would I just begin by saying in response to the affidavit? Mum. Okay. So can you so, re- do another, another affidavit? Well, you used to be able to. Right. But now the family court is trying to sort of streamline its system. We've opened, they've started a new uh, federal circuit and family court of Australia mm. and they have issued a family law practice management. Mm-hmm. And the um, primary objective is the, the fast and efficient um, processing of claims and, uh, and dealing with clients and as a result of that... That means it's unfair. Well, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Uh, they've, said, they've said that you really shouldn't file any more affidavits right. um, because it just makes the... It runs up costs for the other party and mm-hmm. for you and makes it a headache for the judges. So it doesn't make it unfair because, like, he's lied, mm. right? Mm. You may have time before the court hearing to issue some subpoenas um, or to have a document that you can tender. Like if you put an affidavit in just with valuations from Red Book and so forth, that might be helpful and a court might let you get away with it because you're self-represented. Mm. But all of the fibs he's put in, let me tell you, everyone um, 
nearly everyone in family law, when they see the other side's affidavit, they go, what a load of rubbish. He's lied here, 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 here. Mm. And you will get your opportunity to respond. In the in the trial? Yes. To in, say, in here's, the trial. My, here's, here's the red book In response to his affidavits, this is what I say. Okay. Um, but for the interim application that you're going for now, mm. only if what he says would make a difference to your case. Mm-hmm. And then I think I'd suggest try and back it up with documentary evidence. So sometimes a subpoena will help mm-hmm. um, or anything you've got in paper. If you don't say much in your affidavit, just attach those documents, I think the court's more likely to let you put that in. But oh. the court's aware that people tell fibs. Right. So what they've got on an interim basis is your word against his. Mm. And even if you go back with another affidavit and say, no, I say this, the court's still left with your word against his. And in an interim application, no one gives evidence, no one's cross-examined. So both of your versions are untested. Mm -hmm. So the thing that is absolute rolled gold in an interim hearing is something from someone else, from a bank, documentary evidence that supports what you say yeah or the red book valuation that helps what you say so if you just attach stuff like that to your affidavit or referred to it if you've issued a subpoena and say there's this document the court the judge will be able to look at that and go well there's support for for that case otherwise we don't know even if so imagine that the court says no you can only put in one and Mm. they don't let her second affidavit through in the interim hearing can she bring it to the attention of the judge well, you shouldn't, but okay. you sort of can. And, and okay. you can say, I think, like, this is giving evidence from the bar table and you're not sworn, right? Mm. So if you do say things to the judge, you might cheese them off. Right. But if you can say to the judge, um, I'm relying on this application, this affidavit, and, Your Honour, I haven't had the opportunity to respond to Mr X's affidavit, but um, I will. I reserve the right to do so in the future because a lot of what he said I don't agree with. Okay, that's that's gold. So yeah. <laughs> I rely on this, this, and this, and I reserve the right to respond to his affidavit because a lot of what's said in it is I don't agree with. And his pants yeah. are on fire. Just yes. have a look right now; they're flaming. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. So I hope that helps you a yeah, little bit. I, I can understand that the court is trying to take the paperwork out of it, but I can see where someone would write one affidavit. And then the response affidavit is just full of things that you haven't had a chance to respond to. I yeah. guess you'd, you'd be busting well, to say the well, response. And, and some of the re- reasons I think the court has identified it, that were choking it up, some of the things that were choking it up was this tis, tisn't, you mm. know, is, is a lot, is, is a lot affidavits. And the, the urge for you to file something in response so that your side of the story is is right and you've corrected the record mm. and then he might file something and then the poor judge trying to make a decision on your case suddenly has three times as much material to read mm. and while they're doing that or having like multiple interim hearings other people can't even get up before the judge okay. so they've had to be cruel okay. to be kind but in the final hearing oh absolutely everything comes out and everything you can do whatever you want out. if it's relevant Mm-hmm. Um, and um, admissible. Yeah, that means like legally admissible evidence. Then it all comes out. In fact, the judge, the court wants you to. They want to observe each of you in the witness box. They mm-hmm. want to see you um, put forward your best evidence and him put forward his best. But so on an interim do- basis, the judge is just the court's really more or less triaging and just okay. So interim, just one, yeah. but final, do a big doozy. 
You can. They want you to put it all in one affidavit. Then okay. you can combine them all and then... For each affidavit he's filed in the proceedings, in your last big affidavit, you would say, in response to the respondent's or applicant's affidavit filed on this date, I say, and using the same numbering, I say, as to paragraph 40, to his, this, this one, is not I say true this. and here's okay. my proof. And you know what? Maybe it might help you mentally um, to this person who's written in mm. to, to start doing that now so yeah. that at least you know you've done that part. And it's all, and it'll it's all, all written in. in yep. And you know that when you get to the final hearing, that information will come to light. Wow. All right. Thank you, Mum. And thank you, listeners, for those Q&As. We've got a lot to go through um, and we will keep popping them in on Saturday. So stay tuned, send them in, and hopefully Mum can give you some helpful general advice only. Of course, in the light of the new case practice directions of the family court. And if you would like to go to our webinar, it's free and you can ask mum as many questions as you want within our 30-minute time slot. Um, You can click on the link in the bios and just sign up to register for our webinar. And if you'd like to send us a question, send it to the divorce course podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. bye. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.